I don't think you've seen an interview from anybody working the case right now because I get it. There's nothing to say, especially if they're getting ready to indict somebody. Vilified, deified. It's hard to find anyone apathetic about rapper and actor Tupac Shakur. By the time of his passing, September 13th, 1996, he'd sold millions of records. In death, the prolific musical artist would sell millions more. 25 years ago, it was clear to me how influential Tupac was, and I went in hard in reporting the case as a correspondent and producer on a primetime crime show. I was the first to secure the video of the now infamous beatdown at the MGM Grand, the first to get a hold of the search warrant affidavit detailing the gang warfare that erupted after Tupac was shot. Another first was securing interviews with the original Las Vegas Metro investigators. 20, almost 27 years later, once again, an exclusive. I interview now retired homicide detective Brent Becker. Nothing is off the table. Season two, episode one. And Brent, welcome back. Thanks for agreeing to talk to me. Uh, thank you for getting a hold of me. Now, we have been in contact since this happened. And the question has been for both of us, why now? That would be speculation. I think we talked about it in the past that when Keepy D was making all the comments as far as interviews with LAPD and writing books and probably interviews on podcasts, he was saying things that, you know, at least in my mind, raised some questions. And I think that finally enough was said that Las Vegas probably proceeded with that information to see what else they could get. That's all I can think of. I haven't had any contact with anybody from Las Vegas for a very long time. But when we talked, that was last year when it was aired or posted, and we talked late the previous year. So it's been a long time. Yes, yes. I mean, the information has been out there, apparently. Well the information you've passed on to me, apparently Keefe D made these comments way back in 2000 hot something. Right. He and made the confession about 15 years ago and, and the then, memoir was about five years ago. Yeah. And then he apparently did a book or something more right. recently. Five years ago. Mm -hmm. What they have, what they've garnered, over the years, you got to realize my involvement ended in December of 2001, and I have had nothing to do with any of the investigation since then. So probable cause, do you think they're, again, looking back as a detective who actually worked on the case, would probable cause be the memoir itself? Well, that probably gave him the probable cause to do the search warrant. I really? Mean, that would have been enough. Keefe D has shot his mouth off. Uh, I'm surprised he's been saying what he's been saying. Uh, I mean, he's implicating himself. 
And I, like I said, I don't know what Las Vegas has since my involvement, but with what he's been saying, it definitely should be raising an eyebrow or two. And depending on, well, if they've gone through the, well, I'm sure they've gone through the case file. There is information, you know, Orlando made comments to me about being with his uncle in Las Vegas. So the question is, is Keefe D truly his uncle? And is he the uncle he's talking about? I don't know. I would, I would say that it's a pretty good guess. And all these years, he's always been identified as his uncle. That's the way we understood it uh, way back when. I mean, you got to realize this what shooting happened in September of 1996. We were leaning, uh, you know, Orlando Anderson. I'll, I'll just get it out there. Orlando Anderson was being looked at very early on, especially once we got him ID'd off the videotape, which thanks to Tim Brennan, that happened. From you know, we had we had the videotape of a person who'd been beat up, but we didn't have a name until Tim Brennan came along and ID'd him. So, you know, there was a lot of information garnered from Compton and other people that we had. And our I'll speak for myself. I can't speak for anybody else. Uh if you can't prove anything, why are you going to put it out there yet? I mean, my thought is I'm not going to put a rap on someone yet until I can prove it. Do I think we knew who did things? Sure we did, but I don't need to tell everybody in the world about it. I don't need to tell reporters or anybody like that. It's, it's an ongoing investigation. I got you. Where were you when you found out about the search warrant being served last well, week? I was, I was home. In fact, I didn't know about it till. Oh, gosh, I think I got a text message from a friend who is still working in Las Vegas. And it had like uh, the news clipping or something like that. And just basically they said, look at this and why now that it was pretty brief comment but i mean the uh information i I would just i was the location didn't mean anything to me uh in fact i told him i said location means nothing to me and uh what names are attached to it'll be the important thing and it wasn't long after that it was the same day i got it text message with a link. I think it was one of the local news stations and Keefe D's name was on there. And that's when I told the guy, I said, well, now that's a good name. Uh, I don't know how long those houses have been out there. The video I saw, it looks like they're fairly new. I don't know that those houses were out there back then, but that really has nothing to do with anything. What was going through your mind, though, when you saw that? And you could have thought, I mean, it's, again, it happened almost 30 years ago. It's not your case. But you're thinking, 
darn, I wish it had been me. No, I don't, I don't think that I, I hope that whatever they have, and they've obviously got something new, I guess. Uh, I would just hope that there was something that maybe it would help them to prove certain things. Now, will it help to prove who did the actual shooting? I don't know. Will it help to prove that Keithy D was in the car like we always said he was? I think they probably have that. You know, we didn't have the information that came out later on. Keithy D wasn't talking to anybody back then. And obviously, we'll never know what he may have said to us that day we were trying to interview him. But since then, he's said a mouthful. Indeed he has. And it, you know, you do have to consider it was almost 30 years ago when people weren't on YouTube making confessionals. Well, yeah, I mean, the internet world has changed dramatically, electronics, everything like that. Uh, You know, he's just, he's made a lot of comments. He's made comments to law enforcement in Los Angeles. Uh, He's made comments in a book and on a lot of podcasts, apparently. And it's just interesting that he's making all these comments after the rest of the people in the car are dead. So it's just him saying it. There's nobody to dispute what he says. And I'm not saying what he's saying is a lie. I says, there's a lot of questions. There's some questions out of what he said, but that's just part of the, the, on that point, of the game. On that point, I've had people say to me that basically it was dictated to him. They don't believe it. Even though he said it, he said it in a book. He's. I've heard people saying basically that Popo's the one that put the words in his mouth. Oh, so what they're saying is his statements are dictated to him? I've never heard that. Uh, I don't know. You hear uh, you hear a lot of things on the 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 internet. Well, yeah, I mean, from Chris Carroll, the I guess Chris Carroll's been big in the news lately, and some things supposedly happened to him as far as contact with different people, and it's just absurd to say that he had anything to do with the murder, but. Well, you were, weren't you accused as well? And Chris, well, yeah. can you say? Mike, Mike and I you? were accused of doing it way, I mean, in 96. That was on a, a phone call I had taken from somebody claiming to be a relative. You know, those are just things you, you live with. And to identify Chris Carroll again, he's somebody that you worked with at LVMPD and... I, I know Chris from, I was one of his training officers. I'd seen him several times. And then I think the night of the shooting, he was a bike sergeant on the strip. And I think he ended up retiring as a lieutenant. So I never worked with him other than as, uh, when we were in field training as far as on a squad or anything. But I've known him for several years. Walk me through, and not to rub any salt into any wounds, if even wounds exist, but walk me through what would have happened 
in the process of getting a search warrant. Let's say you would, you and your partner, your crew had come up with enough information you felt you could go for a search warrant. For this case, can you just walk me through? Because you've done, obviously, other homicide cases. Yeah, I, and again, I'm not going to sit here and say what they did because I don't know. Correct. Just, but in terms of the normal procedure. Well, you would obviously have whatever information you had in the case file, whatever information you garnered through the investigation, any other important details that you can prove, you would type up an affidavit and a search warrant. I'm pretty sure the procedure, I don't know for sure what procedures are today in Las Vegas. But what you would, what you did. You, would, you, you may go to a DA, a district attorney and give them, you know, let them see the information and see what they think. And if they say there's enough on there, then you go to a judge and they would review all of your information. And if the judge is satisfied with the probable cause, then they would sign off on the search warrant. And then you would get whatever resources you were going to use to serve the search warrant. And then if there's someone in the house, obviously, and I don't know, I don't, I haven't heard anything about them arresting anybody. Nor have I. Uh, but it sounds like somebody was there. So once they had contact, secured the scene, they'd give them a copy of the search warrant. You know, they'd obviously inform them what's going on. They would get a copy of the search warrant. The search would be conducted. They would obtain whatever items they were looking for and items of interest that fall within the purview of the uh, search warrant. Stopping you there. How specific would you have had to have been about the items? Because let's say they wanted to get, I mean, this is a ridiculous example, but let's say that they just wanted to get the book and the Vive articles and they find a gun. Does that mean that they cannot say, oh, a gun too? I mean, how specific do they have to be going in? No, you're, 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 you aren't going to be a very, it's not going to be vague as far as just saying anything. It's, it's got a list of items, but you do get into items that could be related to this particular case, you know, because sometimes you go in and you find some things maybe you weren't, yeah, you weren't expecting, but you can say that it's directly related to the investigation. So they would have those items listed on there. They would do their search. You know, they're going to acquire whatever items they may have listed on there and maybe some things that, hey, this is this is stuff that's pertaining to it. Once they're done, they would do a. Uh, there's a form that you would fill out that you would list items that you are recovering from the search warrant. Typically, it'd have a. Back then, anyhow, you have a, like a cop, carbon copy to it, something like that. And when you left, especially if you weren't arresting anybody, but either way, you're going to present a copy of that form to the person showing what you have taken from their premises or their location, whatever the wherever the search warrant was at. 
you would have a copy, obviously, for your report, which would also go to the judge and to the DA because they want to see, you know, and then it's in your case file. And then they would probably go back and start sorting through everything to see what, you know, the next step would be. Because depending on what items they recover, you can go a long way and uh, proceed further on what you're going to do. If there's a, uh, I hear there's a grand jury. If there's a grand jury, whatever information they got from the search warrant would be presented to the grand jury. It's going to go in their case file and they're going to kind of just review it. It, you know, there's a lot of things can happen. Nothing could happen or it could be a kickstart to something better. So nothing could happen in terms of them not taking it to the grand jury or is it pretty much 100% or 99.9% that they took whatever they got to the grand jury? Uh, well, I would think that if there is a grand jury, they would take it to them. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, what would be the timetable? Well, you're going to Normal. get the information. If there is a seated grand jury, they're doing it. The DA has got to get, because you got to realize a grand jury isn't just hearing your case. Uh, I think typically back then grand juries were seated for like six months. So over six months, they, uh, you know, there could be a lot of cases that they could be hearing and they would present the information and if they get a true bill on it there would be an indictment on somebody and they could indict someone into court and the, and the grand jury is the alternative to a preliminary hearing right i never understood why they you know someone would say we're going to do a grand jury and not a preliminary hearing well you got to realize in a preliminary hearing, you present the DA is presenting certain facts, and there's a defense attorney present. In a grand jury, is one sided more so. Yeah, you could call it one sided. At least it was. Like I said, I have no idea what goes on right. today. Right, we're just talking but, about yeah. general terms. You are a homicide detective with Las Vegas Metro, so you know the process. Yeah, so typically you would present the information to the grand jury. The defense doesn't right. come in and do their thing. And uh, if you get a true bill, there's an indictment, and then you proceed from there. But it's often said that they can, you know, it's easy to enough to get an indictment. If they go that far, you can indict a ham sandwich. That's the lore. Well, and, and I'll just say there was there was comments that you could indict a rock in the grand jury. So pardon, you could indict a rock. Right. Or ham sandwich. Jury. Yeah. Well, we never use ham sandwich. We just said a rock, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I guess I that, like that's, food, that, that's, you know, and that was just a comment that was made. I'm not saying that was factual. I'm just right. a comment. But it's legal lore. You you hear that frequently. Oh, yeah. I mean, you heard that not just from cops. You'd hear it from defense mm -hmm. attorneys. You know, it was everybody. Absolutely. You talked about the, oh, 
One other thing about the grand jury, and you're saying that they have other cases, how do they prioritize? Like we're going to do nah, this. That, I don't know how a grand jury does. I, you know, I've never, I've never been on a grand jury, obviously. So I don't know how things go. I've been before grand juries. So it's always been just for a particular case. Okay. But when you've worked on particular cases, has there ever been a consistent timeline regarding once you get all your paperwork together, go to the DA? I'm just trying well, to get a sense of the norm. Usually a grand jury, if you're presenting something to the grand jury, it's not drawn out over a long period of time. You know, you're going to, you're having certain information that you're presenting to them because you're wanting to get this thing going. You know, can a grand jury be seated for a long time on a particular case? Sure. If there isn't enough evidence, you may just continually, you know, give them information, but I can't think of any that I personally worked on where it took a year, years, you know, months? it was, gosh, I don't even know if it took months. I, I Weeks. just, you know, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I, you know, I'm thinking maybe in the next month, some you'd hear something, but you know, that's just going off my memory of stuff. It's been a while. You talked about the resources being allotted to the search warrant and you hear the term speaking indictment. You've heard that term speaking indictment. Speaking indictment. Right. It's, it's when the indictment is very explicit about everything that investigators have found. So they'll put it out there before obviously the trial. Oh, well, it's terminology. You, got, you got to realize if you get an indictment and now the wheel is spinning here, so to speak, and you're getting a court date and all, you've got discovery. The defense attorney is going to be allowed to get all the evidence, right. interviews, all that, because they're supposed to have the opportunity to interview people if they want, right? review evidence, because, you know, there could be an evidentiary hearing before you ever get to trial because That's they may it. say certain items we are disputing the legality of this evidence being obtained these statements these confessions you know was the confession valid whatever you know there's a lot of things that can come out of it right and that's why i was asking about the search warrant limitations because sometimes they throw out things because it's like, well, the search warrant didn't ask for this and you got this. So that's why I was asking about this. Specifically, when I'm speaking of speaking in affidavits is or indictments, is that folks, the prosecutors are trying to really get out the word specifically, this is these are the goods we have going into it before the judge can throw this or that out. It's a it's kind of a preemptive strike to say this is what we've got. That's just a term I've heard speaking indictment. Well, now what I was going to tie it to is a speaking search warrant in the terms of that search warrant, the way it went down, it seemed to say something. That was not they did not go gentle into the night. 
Well, no. I mean, I've seen the uh, the videos. I don't cool. recall ever doing the search warrant quite the way they did it, serving it. But I, I get the point of having SWAT come in. I have no idea what kind of information they had rolling up to that. If they're especially if they're concerned about people inside being armed and possibly prepared for them, yeah, you're going to want your big guns there because those guys and gals are trained to do certain things. I'm talking about SWAT in particular. I've done search warrants before where it was just us, you know, but uh, like I said, I have no idea what kind of information they had going into that. So they're, they're going to err on the side of caution because you don't want people to get hurt on both sides. You don't want your people to get hurt. You certainly don't want to go into a house and hurt somebody in there because now that just that creates a lot of issues for you. I'm, and again, I don't know what information they had either, but I'm wondering if they were sending some kind of a message. Uh, I don't know. You know, I'm not the person that could answer that. Okay. And just to reiterate, you said that you've never, again, you don't know what was behind the scenes for that search warrant, but you've never conducted one that way. Is that accurate? Not, well, put it this way. I've only seen brief video. And the video I saw was it looked like the armored vehicles and everybody rolling in there. And I think they had, were they doing bullhorns? doing over the PA system, telling people to come out or something like that. You know, I've never personally had to do such a thing. Have I heard of it being done? Absolutely. It just depends on, the, it, it depends on the circumstances. So absolutely. And both whatever, whatever was going on, whatever information they had, they're going to act on it accordingly. And the only reason I ask is that there was a serial killer recently apprehended in New York. He had hundreds of guns in his home. They picked him up on the way to work. So I was just wondering, again, I don't know the circumstances behind the search warrant, but it, it was an interesting approach. Well, you know, it's, it would obviously be best, especially if this, I think I know the case you is talking about. The serial killer. Yeah. You know, especially if you know he's got a bunch of guns, well, it'd be much better to get him outside the house. And then you go serve your search warrant on the house. You know, you have him under control and then you go do that kind of business. Uh Search warrants, you know, you're always going to want to serve a search warrant to the disadvantage of the person right. you're, who is your target. And if that means late at night, maybe when they're asleep or early in the morning before they wake up or whatever, because like I said, I have no, if they're, I don't know if their intention was to go in there and arrest someone. They were just looking for evidence. I, I don't know, but they, you know, they had their information. They were doing what they know they 
could do. Uh, I don't, from what I know, you know, they're just taking care of business and hoping that they can recover something from that'll help them in the case, which I, I hope it does. And what would the coordination have been like with Henderson PD? Well, typically, you know, it just depends. Typically, you'd let the authorities for that jurisdiction know you might be coming in there. Sometimes you don't, but because you got to realize, depending on how you're going into something, if you're going in covert, in this case, you had neighbors watching stuff happen, and they're going to call 911 and Henderson police and says, there's a bunch of weird-looking people in a crazy car kicking on a door, and, and that you certainly don't want the local authorities showing up and having a shootout between cops. So, yeah, there's a lot of things that come into play. And again, the people that were running it for Las Vegas, they did whatever it was they needed to do to, to do this you, as safely as possible. From what you know about the property that was taken from the residents, what's your take about that? I'm trying to remember what I saw. I think there was some computer stuff, some books, some notes. And ammo, and too. Yeah, and some ammo. The ammo is what I saw and I went, well, that's interesting, you know, but it's been 20, what, seven years or so? Uh, so the question is, is this from the same lot of ammo that was used in the shooting or is this happened to be 40 millimeter ammo, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they get out of that. As far as the flash drives, books and things, <laughs> unless, and I'm not saying he wouldn't, unless they're dumb enough to leave recordings of explicit details about stuff. Well, you're going to find books and interviews and stuff say say the book that i guess keefe d put out well why wouldn't there be a copy of that book there you know the question is what else is in there and it you know it's the big scheme of things what what all is in there that you can put together to help your case well because if they wanted his book there's amazon oh it wasn't it wasn't a search warrant to get his book. It's just that the book was in there. This is evidence to show, well, there's some interest in this. Uh, this lady, if if this, is it Paula Clemens was the name of the Pardon? person? For, it was the name of the owner of the house, Paula Clemens. Is that what I remember? Mm -hmm. You know, if, if she's actually married to Keefe D., and this is, but the house is strictly in her name, you know? That's what my understanding is. Yeah. If they're married, they're current married, they're together and all that, you know, they're going to want to see what's in there. Like, like I said, I have no idea. About the book. What, what the book they had prior to going in there, if this was anything new or not, you know? And there were articles from, I guess, an article from Vibe magazine, and I wrote for Vibe, so I don't know if my article is among 
what was yeah i saw i saw there was a vibe magazine article i remember the one you did on i think it was on orlando right when he passed uh, i don't i don't know if what other vibe magazine articles were done there were a over. lot about two oh were there oh okay. yes so you know this is just all information that they're going to want to say hey and this may help to corroborate depending on what he has said in interviews and stuff i don't know i'm going to tell you my theory okay when you write a book I know I wrote a book for Simon and Schuster. Our first work was a literary agent. She went to what I wrote. Then I worked with an editor at Simon and Schuster. Then at some point you go through with uh, someone from legal pouring over the book. So you go through all these different stages and have all these different drafts. The fact that they took the book and also took hard drives. And again, this is conjecture in the original drafts maybe there is something that's incriminating on those drives recordings perhaps of the interviews that's just and that's just something that just occurred to me as a possibility that's that a, that's an interesting thought uh especially people that aren't journalists or writers they're going to use somebody to help them because obviously was there a person that said, hey, instead of saying it this way, say it that way? I don't know. You know, like I said, I, I've never read the book, so. I have no reason to, to, nothing to back up my speculation, but it just seemed, I can't think of a, another search warrant where they seized a book. <laughs> yeah, well, in Keefe D, obviously, he's the, the topic that is, to me, the seller here, everybody knew he was in the car from the get-go. And he's going to be someone that you need to, you know, he's a person of interest. If this were a book written by Orlando Anderson, if he were still alive, when did Keefe D's book come out? about five years ago and he could have you know i'm just you I'm don't just know what he my, said about pardon? i'm just going on my memory five years ago i think everybody else was dead that was in the car i think um, you're correct i think it was you know and i have to there's so many names but i think the last person died perhaps in the mid 2010s it was like I think Terrence Brown was the last T Brown, whatever you call him. The he was person. the last one to die. Obviously, uh, DeAndre Smith died, I think, pretty early on, from what I remember. Then Orlando was killed. And then for the longest time, it was Terrence Brown and Keefe D were alive. And then Brown died. And now, Here's Keefe D, the Lone Ranger, saying things. And there's, you know, it's like we used to see in murder trials. You know, you get someone come in and, well, your victim's dead, so they aren't there to dispute anything. And if you don't have a witness, then the, the defendant 
or whoever comes in and says something, well, how do you, the only way you can dispute it is by the evidence or other, other witnesses, obviously. And so that would be the challenge here. And in this case, Keefe D's Lone Ranger, he can say all he wants, depending on what those other three guys have said. Well, they aren't around to dispute it now. So the other, the only other person to dispute it in my mind is Suge Knight. Because Tupac's dead. Right. Suge Knight was over in the car. He knew uh, Keefe. Yeah. The, the four girls in the car next to him or whatever. Just my belief is, yeah, they may have seen some things happen, but they didn't see enough to say this is who was in the car. Right. And with Suge Knight, he certainly, when I interviewed him, he pointed to Orlando. Suge Knight was self-serving from the get-go. We, we knew that. He's changed his story. Well, he's changed his story years. a few times, I think. I think his story is, there's more even, than one story. Even that so, Tupac is still alive is one. So, so which one is the true story? So that would be hard to put somebody on the stand, I would imagine, with so many different stories. Well, he, I'm, I'm sure whichever prosecute, the prosecutor, defense attorney, if he goes on the stand, depending on the circumstances, they're going to do their thing to discredit him. And it would seem from what he said over time, it wouldn't be hard to discredit, but it would then be up to a jury to decide what, what did they believe? By the based, way, what... based on the information that has been presented by the attorneys. So what do you think of my theory? Um, it could be earlier drafts. It could be recordings that he made, but. Well, I'm, I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I, I don't know anything about the book. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I don't know. I've never seen the book. So now you spoke about that hidden floppy disk in an earlier, a few earlier episodes about you writing down who you believe to be was Tupac's killer. I wouldn't call it a hidden floppy disk. It was in the case file. Mysterious. Well, you know, I just know, I just know that there's been comments made about people having all the reports from this. Well, no, because not all the reports were sent to records and that's not unusual. If you look at detectives or people working cases, not just homicide, you've got a book or books case file of everything. Typically, you aren't going to just be burning copies of everything and sending it all over. What's going to happen is you're going to get your case file together when it's time to present it to the DA or whoever. You're going to make a copy of everything and present it to him. In fact, we, we used to have a standing joke with the DA's office because we'd send down a case file. And sometimes it kind of disappear. You know, you think, 
well, where's this closet where all these missing case files are at because they got put away. I, I've, I've made a case, I've copied a case file two or three times, but keep in mind, especially if your DA changes, sometimes things get misplaced in, in, in between. Let me try to understand this. So you're saying in the case of prosecuting somebody, you have a case file. Yes. You make copies of everything. Yes. And you, send you have to because everything's going to be up for discovery eventually. Right. You what know, about the, the defense has got to, you know, they're supposed to get right. everything you have. And that could nullify the prosecution if we didn't put everything in there. If if defense discovers that prosecution's been hiding things, absolutely. I mean, because you're supposed to present everything, whether it's beneficial or not, because if you withhold information as to say a statement from someone who says something that it fits entirely different from what you're presenting and try to hide it, that you aren't supposed to do that. You better okay. not be doing it because that can come back to hit to fight you. All right. So I think what led to this part of the conversation is the fact that two LAPD detectives in the course of investigating the murder of the notorious B.I.G. got a hold of LVMPD case files regarding Tupac. Yeah, I, I've heard that. I have not. Well, I know yes. that some stuff's out there because when we did the original podcast, you were sending me copies of interviews. Right. So those interviews, seen, those interviews had to be acquired. Some, yeah, those those things had to be. Well, yeah, and the you know the initial report that I wrote out that you showed me a copy of that would have got sent in because that generates the start of this thing. So that repeat that, you, please. When we first started this, you showed me a copy of a handwritten crime report or incident report that I was the author of. With your handwriting. Yeah, and in fact, I had the wrong date on there because this happened before midnight. We got involved after midnight, and I admit that was a mistake on my part. Yeah, someone asked me about it. Yeah, you know, uh, shame on me, but that's easy enough for me to say, yeah, that's a mistake on my part. Simple as that. See, that would go in because that's kind of getting everything generated. But as far as interviews and stuff, it would just depend. And I don't, I don't know what transpired later on because when we do a tape back then we were doing taped interviews. Right. I think, and then got, I think everything's digitized or maybe it's videotaped or whatever. Now we had little micro cassettes. We would do the interview. And in this case, Frank Alexander, Yafu Fula, Malcolm Greenidge and Katari Cox. Those are all four people I talked to. I'd have done taped interviews on them. Once we got back and we put the tape in an envelope, then, and we'd give it to 
typically we had secretaries there at the office unless the office got really inundated with stuff they would play the tape and transcribe it onto a statement form we would keep the tape but then we'd have a printed copy of it now i would think typically because we aren't getting the original the girls or that's the typist that's being recorded somewhere because they're typing it on a computer i don't care what people say if you do something on a computer it's stored somewhere so yeah that's how that worked now as far as this the, back then i'm dating myself we used floppy disks this was before flash drives and all this other nonsense and i used to maintain things on a floppy disk so everything i did got backed up, so to speak, or stored on a floppy disk. So there was a floppy disk that I had that did a lot of, say, outside stuff like phone calls, because I kept the record of every phone call I ever made. You know, it'd have a date time. If the person identified themselves, you know, whatever they said, whatever was said. Uh, notes any any kind of officers reports that were generated and i know when i left because it would have been what mid-december of 2001 i typed up a pretty lengthy report as far as like a summary of everything that, you did been, that i'd been involved with mike had been involved with you know at the time and that was stored on a floppy disk. That was never sent to records. So the gentlemen that say they have all the reports, well, unless they have someone who acquired those floppy disks and printed stuff out for them, they don't. And I'm not saying they didn't, because I don't know what's going on with this. Normally speaking, when you work with another agency, how much of a case file would you share? You know, we could give them certain things. I can tell you that I never gave any outside law enforcement agency everything we had. You know, I may give them things that may be of assistance to them for something. I'm sure I gave Compton some things because they were doing their search warrant. And they were helping yeah. you. Yeah, you know. LAPD showed up there. I don't, this was well before uh, Christopher Wallace was shot. You know, this was nine, September 96. Christopher Wallace was shot, what, six months later in LA? So that wasn't going on at the time, that investigation. So anything right. that we had, we would have presented to them. Now, I can say that during one of our many trips to LA, we talked to the FBI, an FBI agent there. I don't remember his name. And they had been investigating death row records for what I remember. They said like three years. What exactly they were investigating them for. I don't remember all the details. If it was Rico stuff or just 
questionable practices, whatever. I don't know. There was that they were doing an investigation, but I don't remember any of the particulars. And then we had a brief conversation with someone from ATF. Because I remember that was the day we wanted to go. We found out Keithy D was in a federal facility in the Los Angeles area. And we were going to go over and interview him. And that's when we found out on the way that they weren't going to, they said, we can't talk to him that, that day. We don't know why. They, I mean, let's, I, I really want to delve into this more because we talked about it in an earlier episode. Correct. You were in town the best you can remember because it was like almost 30 years ago, but you were in LA to talk to the feds. We were in LA for not just the feds. Because we never went to L.A. just to talk to the feds. If anything, it was the DA's office, DA investigators. And I want to say. And let me stop you there. You would have been talking to DA investigators in relationship to Suge? Yeah, it would have been towards the Suge Knight up and coming revocation hearing. Because I remember. I can't. There'd be a report somewhere. There'd be a DA investigator's names. I remember there's an investigator. I think there was a DA investigative lieutenant. And then there was a DA in particular. I remember talking to them. I want to say they were talking about revoking Suge Knight. And... I just remember, and I've told you this, Mike and I thought it was, we were a little shocked that they wanted to revoke him for pissing dirty, meaning I think he marijuana. Had, had marijuana in his urine or something. And we thought they're actually going to revoke this guy for that, which, you know, you got to really want someone to do that. I mean, you could do it, but, and I just remember that we were in the DA's office and that's when I said, you know, we've got this videotape of the beatdown at the MGM. And that's when they asked to get a copy of it. And ultimately that's what they used to revoke him. I will say to you, I was in communication with somebody over the weekend who doesn't believe that the video shows Shook Knight being involved with the beatdown. <laughs> well, People can interpret what they want. I, I look at it. I think you've seen it multiple times. Every The jury saw it. The judge saw it. Everybody else saw it. It says, I don't know how you, how do you explain, I don't know how you explain some guy putting shoe leather, which is kicking somebody that's on the ground. And Suge Knight is clearly doing that in the video. But admittedly, there are parts of the video that are very hard to see. And oh, yeah. I was the first to get the video. <clears throat> Is there any more anywhere? Any more video as far as MGM the, the beatdown? The beatdown. Oh, the only video, video we'll put it this way, the only video I have ever seen is the beatdown, the movement through the casino, uh video over at the uh Luxor. 
But that wasn't they, surveillance, right? That, that was, was well, that was surveillance video, but it was surveillance video related just to the Luxor. It wasn't to the beatdown. It was like just before when Suge and Tupac were leaving, they went to change clothes. Yes. You know, they left the MGM. They went to the Luxor because Tupac was dressed a little differently in the video right. for the beatdown. Mm-hmm. And then at the Luxor, the video where they're down in valet, you know, it's kind of a popular video because I guess Tupac's down there. There's a lot of girls around. Right. I, I was, didn't realize I think that was, was a, surveillance. Think, you don't it think, looks you sort think, of shaky like somebody shot at themselves. Well, and maybe it was. I thought there was some surveillance video because, you know, there's going to be cameras. Casinos had cameras everywhere. So... But, a, a prevailing question I get all the time is why wasn't, and we talked about it a little bit before, but why okay. wasn't there more surveillance video? Why didn't you guys have more? more surveillance video of what, I guess is my question. The movements of Tupac, the movements potentially of Orlando before the movements of any of the characters. I'm thinking whatever movements were found, because you got to realize to have video of someone, you're looking for somebody. The MGM is a pretty big place. Huge. There's a lot of people in there. I says, now, if you're looking for someone in particular, now you can watch video and pick them out. You know, And in this case, Orlando is wearing a football jersey, if I remember right. That helps because it's got a number on it. It's a certain style, and you can pick that out. Uh, the video that I know of that pertained to this was what we saw was the beatdown, the video of him being interviewed and stuff like that. Now, if you're talking about video of people walking down the sidewalk, driving down the street, I don't know what TV show they're watching, but that at least back then that wasn't available. But it, admittedly, the, 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 I mean, I would say that the video at the very beginning, it's very hard to discern anything. You're, you're talking about the beatdown? Well, and part of the problem is that fake tree or whatever that was right. in the middle with the seats around it kind of blocks things. And things happen pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, if you watch the video, I mean, stuff is like wham, bam. It's going to town. It's really quick. And you'd have to slow it down to kind of look for stuff. And then when you look at the video of them leaving, you know, different camera angles were obviously being moved to because they started at one place, you see them, and they're walking pretty quick. They're wanting to get out of that casino. They're heading to, they're getting out Before of they're busted. You know, they're moving quick. And like you said, it was like a herd of cows. As they moved, the herd got bigger because everybody obviously recognized these guys and they see everybody walking quick and everybody, you know, they put a ring on their nose and they want to go see what the hell's going on. I say Pied Piper. Yeah, whatever you want to call two, it. Two bottles of Pied Piper. So we were talking about you at the DA's office. Talking about show the revocation, bringing up the beatdown, mm-hmm. and then. Well, ultimately, 
If you're talking about when it went to the revocation, or are you talking about what went on over oh, there? Oh, uh, that day. Yeah, and I can't remember if it was that day. Oh, I mean, it is It is like 30, almost 30 years ago. And you yeah, you know, because you got to realize we did multiple trips to California. Right. We obviously did a trip to Compton for the search warrant part. We did a trip to Compton to talk to Malcolm. You know, that was a that was a trip to Compton with Malcolm and Reggie Jr., which was a flop, which we've already discussed. Uh, now, but we also did multiple trips to L.A., so it didn't involve going to Compton. And it gotcha. was the Los Angeles area. It was the DA's office. And you testified. You also testified. Yeah, and then when they had the actual revocation hearing in Superior Court, the way I understood, I was there as an impeachment witness because they had Orlando testify, and or obviously Orlando said something untrue as far as I'm concerned. Do gotcha. I think he lied to save his bacon? That my opinion, yes. That's just my opinion. <laughs> so that's a that's a, a, a rabbit hole that's most fascinating. Yeah, that rabbit that, hole that, filled with money. That that whole story there, like I said, I was I never wanted to go back to LA again. It was a media circus in that courtroom. It, it, it was a rabbit hole. But anyway, you're actually in the car going to see Keefe. And why did we you had actually left? I want to say, if I remember right, we left the ATF office. We were driving and we were calling to, is it called the Metro Detention Center? Metropolitan yes. Detention, the federal place? Mm -hmm. And that's when someone, and I can't tell you who it was, just said, you aren't going to get, basically, you aren't going to get to talk to Davis today. So, okay, they. I mean, to the it, best of your memory, that's all they said. You can't talk to him. He's not available. He doesn't want to talk to you. His lawyer doesn't want to let you. No, talk there to was him. nothing about a lawyer. Lawyer didn't come up at all in that. It was just that the detention center said you couldn't talk to him. The detention center did not yeah. a federal agency. No one in. Well, I don't know. Is that a federal? Department of Prisons facility. I don't know. No. Well, I, I mean, but no, the FBI, the FBI, the FBI, the FBI did not say we could not talk to him. Yeah. The FBI didn't say we couldn't talk to him. ATF didn't say we couldn't talk to him. It was whoever it was on the phone at the federal detention center said you aren't going to be able to get in to see him today. And did they say why? No. And you were actually in the car on your way. We were driving, you know. I don't even remember where the federal detention center is, but I just know I've LA. Been by there. I know it yeah, is. LA traffic, you know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now, why did you at that point want to talk to him? Well, we uh we kind of had an idea about him, you know. Uh the name had come up from Compton that supposedly he was an uncle to Orlando. And I'm trying to say this, this had to be after the search warrant. So you'd already this, had that conversation. Yeah, this wouldn't, this, 
I don't remember the date of the search warrant. Okay, so he dies on the 13th. I think the 13th was a Friday. If I'm getting my numbers right, it was a Friday. I want to say it was the following Monday is when Compton came to, to Vegas. That's when Orlando was identified. So you're talking 13, 14th. That would have been what, the 16th, 17th of September? They would have gotten what information we had. And I don't remember how long after that that the search warrant came up. It wasn't like within a day or two. I mean, they had to do whatever it was they did. The affidavit would say, I, I just don't have a copy of any of this, so I don't know what it says. Sure. But that would give you an idea of the day that that happened. Now, it was either late end of September or early October because, again, the newspaper clipping I saw of Suge Knight's revocation hearing said it was middle of November, that hearing in L.A. Well, all this happened before that. So if the search, hypothetically, if the search warrants end of September, early October, revocation hearings in November, it's somewhere in between there. But going in, driving in to see him, what were your thoughts? It Was it based on the affidavit? Because his name is prominently featured in the affidavit alongside Orlando. <clears throat> sure, it's a name. It's someone we didn't have an opportunity to talk to and we wanted to just or like Orlando I says there's a big flap about not talking to Orlando well I did talk to Orlando briefly we went over that and Orlando in the end said I don't want to talk to you anymore he never lawyered up but he said he didn't want to talk to us anymore what about following up on Keefe D I'm trying to remember all the details on that because he was in custody. And again, I, I just don't remember. I just know that, yeah, probably if we could have talked to Keefe D, maybe something would have come out of it. I don't know. You got to realize this and I'm not going to make excuses. Keefe D could have said something. Keefe D may not have said anything from what i understand keefe d didn't say much anything until he got in a bind and with la and they got him to roll over prior to that i don't know that there's any record of him saying anything to anybody he wouldn't have well again i i would i would say he wouldn't say anything while orlando was alive and orlando died a couple of years later uh my understanding the motivation to talk was to get out of a drug rap well that's my understanding i again i don't know for sure because i have no involvement in it that was well after i left homicide so i don't i don't know what was said what was done what what communications there was between la and vegas back after December 2001, I don't know. Do you regret not having another go at him? A Davis? 
Well, yes and no. I personally, just my opinion, I personally don't think he'd have said anything then. He wasn't saying anything. Orlando didn't say much of anything. Anybody that we had conversation with didn't say anything. Frank Alexander, the night of the shooting, those four guys in the car didn't say much of anything. Later on, Frank Alexander started talking more, but I think Frank got sideways with death row records and, and such. But uh, One really important question that I've had throughout is, when did Keefe lose one of the E's on his name? <laughs> Don't ask me. I'm not into, as far as I'm concerned, his name is what, Dwayne Davis, but he's got a but no, Have you name. noticed that, though? You, in the affidavit, and I know in the article I wrote in the past, it was always K-E-E-F-E-E, -E -E, and now it's just K-E-E-F-E. -E, so well, I, I'm kind of joking. But, yeah, yeah. You got to realize it's like anything, like there's books that have been published that say things that aren't true. Simple things about me and Mike Franks that weren't true. They were inverted or whatever, you know? Uh, I can't control what people write, print, whatever. Well, people have said things that weren't true about me. <laughs> yeah, like, you know. And uh, doing the podcast, so I, I get that. What I mean, I know that a lot of people who follow this case were very interested in getting your take about the latest developments. And I just want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, I, I just hope that they have something that can, you know, it is a little irritating to sit here and see the stuff that you've sent to me that Keith ED has talked about. And I'm thinking, well, the guy's putting himself in the car. He's putting the gun in his hand. He's witnessing events. He's saying he witnessed certain events. He opens the door to his involvement being more than that. If you look at the entire package, I mean, the night of the shooting, Frank Alexander, Malcolm Greenage, Katari Cock. I'm, I'm trying to remember how they were saying, but of the four guys, four people in the car with Frank Alexander included, one person had a little bit different story. Yafu Fula said, if, if I remember right in his statement, he thought the shooting was through the driver's door window, not the back. Pardon? I thought Yafu Fula said he thought the shooting arm the gun was through right. the driver's door window. Right. Where everybody else says it was the rear window. I I may be wrong. Maybe my memory sucks today. No, that's correct. I, I just remember that that was an interesting comment. And because Yafu Fula was the guy in the front passenger seat. To me, he was in... If you're in a good spot to see things, he was in the better spot. Malcolm and Katari are in the back seat. All right. So now they're looking through from the back seat. If you put yourself in the back seat, your view is always going to be a little bit obstructed because you got heads of people in front of you and all that. 
Frank was driving the car. So the question is, was Frank looking in the rearview mirror, talking to the guys in back? Was he looking at Yafu or was he watching the Beamer in front of him that Suge and Tupac were in when everything started happening? And he starts hearing the rounds pop and he looks over. I don't know. You know, all I can do is go by what people tell me. And Yafu Fulo was the guy that said something a little bit different than everybody else. And so if you listen to Keithy D and his description of what happened, he puts himself in the front passenger seat of the car. He puts the gun in his hand. What's to say he's not the one that reached across the front of, not that I'd be happy if I were Terrence Brown, but, you know, and I'm not saying that's how it happened. I'm just saying by Yafu Fula's statement and Keefe D doing this, there's question marks. Do I think it happened that way? Probably not, but it still raises that question. Well, eyewitness accounts can often be inconsistent. Eyewitness accounts. <sighs> I will say an eyewitness account, depending on the circumstances, aren't that reliable. I would much rather have physical evidence or video. That would be my preference. Eyewitness accounts can always be disputed depending on the circumstances. When I worked in robbery, I had a bank, as an example, I had a bank robbery where the teller described the bank robber. I mean, clothing in the works. Okay. And then there was the videotape of the bank robbery and the bank robber. And they were different. The videotape showed one person committing the robbery and the person the teller was describing was someone they had served at the window prior to the robbery. So yeah, it, it can raise those questions. <laughs> Do you think that there is a real possibility <clears throat> of this case being solved? Well, I guess anything's possible. I, I said, like I said, I don't, I don't have a clue what Las Vegas has. You know, uh, if you just want to solve it, because in my mind, the shooter's dead. The person that did the in shooting. In your mind. In my mind, with the information we had long ago, the shooter is dead. All and that's right? Orlando Anderson. That's. Yeah, I'll say it. That's Orlando Anderson. All the right? first time you said that explicitly. Yeah, I guess, I guess on here it has. Uh, I mean, you look at it. Here you got a guy on a videotape getting beat down by a bunch of people. One of which is Tupac Shakur. One is Suge Knight. And then however many hours, not that many hours later, Someone pulls up alongside the car that Tupac and Sugar in and decides to light it up. Yeah, I guess that could be coincidence. 
uh, if you're into that, you know, just ironic that the people that were in the car are consistent with some, at least one person on the videotape. You know, and there's some... there's a question as to that videotape of Orlando later on when he's being interviewed by the unit the cops at the MGM after the beatdown. There's someone in the background on that video, and I just I wish I could look at it again. I don't recall. Was that Keefe D in the background? I'd have to look at the I'd have to look at the video again to say to look at it consistently because it wasn't a crystal clear video. But I know that that was always in our mind. Is that Keefe D in the background? Say so that what? That would, would you? Yeah. Well, that that's just it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that was Keefe D or not. It was. Let's rewind. You know, <laughs> say what? Yeah, yeah, because you know. Tim Brennan never said that's Keefe D. And Tim Brennan saw the video and Tim Brennan knew all these players. He knew Orlando Anderson for sure, because you have a pretty good shot of him. He's pretty crystal clear because they actually, I think they zoomed in on him on the video a little bit. But there was someone in the background and it was just not crystal clear. And it just, it was always a question. Is that Keefe D standing back there or not? I don't know. Because it's been known for some years, he, he places himself there. And it's been known that he was there. At in the Las MGM? Vegas, at in the Las MGM. But, well, at the, in Las Vegas, yeah. But I'm right, talking but this about... This is the first time you're saying you think he may have been in the video at the MGM Grand. Lurking yeah, in the that's the first time I'm saying it publicly, yeah. I mean, at this point, everything has been put out there. I says, I have nothing to gain by this. I'm not solving this case. By revealing this information doesn't change anything. I mean, I can't say it was him for a fact. Uh, maybe, maybe if they have a way, you know, technology is a wonderful thing. Maybe they can do things with videotapes now. I don't know. But that was just my impression. And like anything, and I know there's some people writing books and stuff that were mad at us and said we didn't do stuff. But you know what? It wasn't that we weren't doing anything. It's that we weren't talking to them. And I think we pissed them off a little bit. Well, I'll say you know a few things. I'm hearing people now, some in media, some you know from different positions, reiterating the notion that you at LVMPD didn't care about the case when you originally caught it, and they're glad that finally Las Vegas PD is getting a grip. What's your response to that? My response is opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. All right. And that's their opinion. Unless you know me, you were with me, you were with my whatever. You can present what you want. Remember one thing. Those people have the power of the pen. I don't. 
they have a soapbox they can go up on and say things. It's sort of like today. Certain people have soapboxes. They can present their things well to common people like me can't. So they can say what they want. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> you know, they that's their opinion. So be it. But their opinion means absolutely nothing to me. I says, I know what I did. I know what was going on. I think I know who was in the car. I says, but prove it. Here's, there's where the whole thing comes down to proving something. I've had other cases. I thought I could prove it. I submitted it to the DA's office and they said, no, that happens, you know? So loudly, clearly, no mistake to be made. For the first time in the almost 30 years I've known you, you are saying Orlando Anderson killed Tupac Shakur. That's my belief, yes. And can that's be, what you wrote can, down. Can it, can it be proved? I don't know. I don't know what they got. I can tell you that back then, in December of 2001, we couldn't prove anything. Whether these People with their opinions say we weren't doing anything or not. Well, the fact is people didn't really want to say much to us. Since I think I told you when you were working for America's Most Wanted and you interviewed us in the office, I, I can remember discussing this because we were talking about people talking to us and rewards and stuff. And... I made a comment that, you know, Southland Corporation 7-Eleven used to put a $20,000 reward out for uh, whatever happened in the store. Well, nobody put anything out for a reward on this case when I was in there publicly. The only reward was the $2,000 that we did through Secret Witness because I had people laugh at me on the phone when they called and said, I've got information and what's the reward? And when I say $2,000, they'd laugh at me. I said, well, what can I say? And that, you know, that's just another part of this whole thing. I, I, I do hope they can bring it to an end. Unfortunately for the Shakur family, mom's dead. Does, does it give them any good feeling about it? Because of what I said, I don't know. I don't know why it would. You can't prove it. And to me, proving it is the big deal. Saying something about some it's easy to say stuff about people. I mean, they do it. That's not unusual to do today. It's happening every day. People talk shit about people, have no proof about it, or they're flat-ass lying, and but it gets said and it becomes a, a record. <laughs> so you believe Orlando did it? About a half dozen of your coworkers believe Orlando did it. And that was in 1997-ish? Well, 96. In 96. Mean, we thought Orlando from, yeah, uh, back in 96, I says, Proving it is a big deal. And there was nothing. We were working and we wanted to prove it, but there was just nothing 
could ever prove it. So for the last 30 years, you believed Orlando, give or take 30 years, almost 27 years, you believed Orlando Anderson was the Yeah, I've, I've always thought that. And I'm not the only one. You know, I'm not going to speak for everybody else, but I, I will say, yeah, uh, one plus one equals two. And as far as all the other folks in the car, I would say that was pretty well known in 96 also. Maybe, maybe not quite at the time Orlando Anderson was who we were looking at, but uh, Keefe D was right up there. And like I said, to this day, I wonder about someone in the background on that video who was Keefe D. You just couldn't. I mean, I looked at that video close. I mean, it's just like any video we ever used on a case. I'd look at them, especially when we started getting our subject or potential witnesses or some. We used to look at them. But you got to realize you're talking VHS tape. VHT, compared to what they got today, oh, my God, this digital stuff is... 4K. Well, just like DNA. But I'm... Yeah, exactly. You know, DNA, when it first came out, if we got one in 600,000 as a hit, we thought that was super. Now they got one in a trillion or whatever, and that's from touching something. So, uh, you know, I'm just hoping that they can do something to... to Bring it to a close. Do you think if you had a different district attorney that you might have been able to? No, I don't think the district attorney had anything to do with it. I wouldn't have wanted to take it to court and prosecute. It was, it was too iffy. There was, you know, you can speculate all you want. Prosecuting someone, you need to prove it. You know, and they talk about circumstantial cases. Yeah, you could probably prosecute someone on a lot of circumstantial evidence. And it's depending on what a jury will do. Why are you willing to explicitly say, because I certainly tried to get you to say it over the course of maybe 15, 20 hours to just point blank say Orlando Anderson did it. Why are you willing to say so now? I just think that it's gotten to the point and with these recent developments i'm not i'm not saying anything surprising it may be surprising to some people but i think in the big scheme of things this is pretty well common knowledge or the thoughts in people's minds it's just that you know I always was hesitant because I thought, well, you know, I don't want to cause a headache for the people that are working the case. But since this came out and things that are being said, I'm not saying anything new. You and know? you do know that there's a large faction of people who don't believe Orlando Anderson did it. A large faction because I, many of them have contacted me. I think I think that that's good for them, you know. And do I have proof that Orlando Anderson did it? No. Do I think Orlando Anderson pulled the trigger? Yes. But 
saying and proven are two different things. You know, Orlando always denied it. I think he denied it. And I don't know, did you get to interview him or did that get shut down? It got shut down. Yeah. I wasn't I driving think... there, but I had my crew waiting. I was in the lawyer's oh, So office. you were driving somewhere and didn't get to talk to someone too, huh? No, I'm saying almost. <laughs> we were actually in the office, but close. We were, we were waiting for him and he showed up as polite as he could be and said no. Yeah, I know and that there was did an interview with someone else. Seems to me there was some newspaper articles where he said he didn't. His attorney said he didn't do it. Well, what's an attorney going to say? An attorney, especially a defense attorney, unless unless they're going into court to admit doing it, but they did it because it was insanity or self defense. Or they have a deal like that. You know, there was no self defense on this shooting. Shug and Tupac well, were just Keefe, driving down the road. Keefe D has said that Tupac grabbed a gun. Yeah, I, I know that what Keefe D said now, but then Keefe D's had multiple stories too. He hasn't and, always he hasn't always said Tupac had a gun. You must have been sick of me asking over and over again, right? Well, no, I wasn't sick of it. I just you know, you can say yes. I, I truly don't think me saying what I feel means anything. What what what's the matter? What Brent Becker says? If you had proof, it would have. If we'd have had proof, you can bet I'd have submitted it. I can tell you that if there was proof that we could put in a report to submit to the DA, we'd have done it. A hundred percent sure of it. There was never, when I was in homicide, there was, and I don't use the word never, never any proof that Orlando Anderson did it or that Keefe D did it. There was never any proof that any one person in particular did it. There was all kinds of hearsay on different things. But you don't successfully prosecute anybody based on hearsay, especially if it's an unnamed source. But you've heard people say that you know the case was served up to you on a platter. I had somebody. I've I've heard that too. And you know what's ironic about that? If we were to put the circumstances another way, they say, "Well, you don't have anything." Everything depends on what these people want to hear. I've, I've seen that before in other cases. You hear today, you see people say, well, why don't they do this? I says, well, if the roles were reversed and this was their brother or their cousin, they'd say, well, they shouldn't be doing that. It depends on the agenda or what subject matter is to fit these people. And, it, and that's just the way it is. And really, I don't care. <laughs> so be it. And for me, I was open-minded, willing to believe whatever, you know, tell me, tell me otherwise. It's not from a fabulous, just the facts, ma'am or sir. I said, you know, after doing that podcast, I came away convinced of who killed Tupac. Well, yeah, I, you know. Even though you didn't say I, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking that everybody in the world knows what I'm saying. They just, I'm not saying it. I mean, it was... 
and you tried to get me to spit things out and I didn't, but you know, after yeah. this came, after this came out, I just thought, you know what? And they've gotten the interviews with, well, and I'm sure Chris Carroll's been doing a lot of interviews, you know, and so be it. I don't think you've seen an interview from anybody working the case right now because I get it. There's nothing to say. Well, especially if they're get, especially if they're getting ready to indict somebody, if they're getting ready to indict someone, I'm not going to talk to the news or a book author or anybody, you know, they can get mad at me because I'm not saying anything or I'm twisting the truth. I don't really care. I'm trying to solve a case, not sell your book. Well, as I said to somebody over the last few days, two LAPD detectives over the past 20 years have talked a lot more about this case than LVMPD. Yeah, well, and I think if you look at, if it's the two people I think you're talking about, if you look at... Probably. Yeah, if it is those two they have something invested in it, you know? And unfortunately, one particular LAPD detective, whether he actually said it or not, his co-author said it, made a comment about me saying something in particular that I never said, that he blames on the dead guy now. So I don't know. But it's just ironic that there's so much LAPD influence stuff i'm thinking one it's not their case two their case the christopher wallace killing is still unsolved why aren't you more invested into that to solve that you have a composite drawing of a shooter for christ's sake in that case we don't have we got zilch squat and witnesses, Lil Caesar, who I interviewed you myself. Know, they had, didn't they have a car or something they were looking at? We had a car, but it was a very generic car. And I know that the car became a big deal. People said, how can a white Cadillac? I was thinking, how many white Cadillacs do you know in the world? And in the beginning, it was white Cadillac or a white town car. You know, so whatever. And... Keefe D has come forward with a lot of information. It's probably factual. I says, but he never said it to anybody other than I guess he said it to somebody in some interviews and, and in some books. But again, now you're invested in something and there's a benefit to it. So it'll be curious. I'll just be curious to see how they proceed with this because since you sh told me about these interviews and the books and all that, I thought this has got to come back to haunt him someday. You would have thought sooner rather than later. Will you, if well, called, will you testify? Yeah. Well, I don't know what I'd testify to. But Your interview with Orlando Anderson. Well, that would, that's, you know, I'm, talk to him. So what? I don't think he said anything that spectacular. But it he didn't, could, he but didn't it, confess. For you it was corroboration. It could be. It could be. You know, it depends on whether they can say that's the particular person or not. 
So I don't think I'm of much interest in this case anymore, but you know, that, that will be decided later on by other powers that be. So I think it's more about what's come out more recently. Well, I thank you for putting on your AirPods again. And any anything else in closing? No, no. I just hope they can do something to close this thing. And I have a feeling I'm going to ask you to talk again because I'm I know there have been a lot of questions coming in from listeners. So don't lose those. Well, and, you know, like I said, uh, at this point, I don't know that there's anything I can say that is that secretive about what went on. You know, most stuff seems to have been put out there. But this is from your perspective. You're somebody. Yeah, who's... and it is, it is my perspective. And yeah, I probably today I've probably said more than I've said in a while. I don't think there's ever. Anything, I, like I said, I don't think there's anything super secret here anymore. Like if, I don't really care what other people think as far as revealing information back in the day. I says that's that, uh, I'm not here for them. <laughs> And unfortunately, whatever was going on back then, we couldn't prove it. Well, Tupac's murder was his case. Looks like. It's somebody else's case now. So, you know, it's somebody else's case. So the operative verb. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Tupac's, Tupac's murder was his case. It looks like that case is about to be solved. Well, hopefully they can do something. I'm Leonard Oziesway, the host, creator, producer for I'm Leonard Oziesway reporting. Tupac's murder was his case. Anything, anything else you want to say? You can, but no, I you did think. say you were going to be more free this time. And I was wondering when you were going to get free. It took a while. <laughs> I think I would, well, I think I made you ask more than anything, but pardon? I think I had to wait for you to ask me something specific. Next time, spit it out. Yeah. <laughs> spit it out. Well, free. Like I said, I don't think I've. Well, Many. Uh, I, I am not. I am not here to make everybody happy. Right. I mean, there's a lot of cases we worked on where people, different people, were unhappy how it progressed or what what came out of it. Sure, I get it. You do what you can do with the information you have, and you hope you can do something with it. And like I said, I hope that whatever information they've got, they can proceed with this and at least get the lab, as far as I know, the last living guy in that car. Cause he has, he's shot his face off more than I can imagine. I just don't get it, but. No, it just didn't make sense. No, no. And whatever happened to him dying of cancer? Exactly. <laughs> I just, I question that. <laughs> It's all very strange. Yeah. 
Well, like I said, I, I hope they can do something with it. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You've been listening to Leonard Azizway reporting. Tupac's murder was his case. An Azizway T original. All rights reserved. Three, two, one.